Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Thank you for listening to the late breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. First episode of 2022, we're back. You know what I find absolutely brilliant is that we went through the whole of 2021 doing an episode a week, absolutely no weeks off the entire year. We take one week off at the end of December. And Sam, this is you put a message in our group chat and I just thought how brilliant, I chuckled at it, but how brilliantly true it is that we were like, oh, missed the podcast. You know, we're we're not away all year. We're away for one week and we miss it like mad. It, it says something, doesn't it, Sam? It does say a lot of things, and those lot of things are that despite hating each other endlessly, we really do love each other's company. Or maybe it's just because no one else can stand us, and that is understandable. If you've happened to listen through the uh, the podcast for 2021, thank you and welcome to 2022, the newest year since records began. We are here to talk more about Formula One. Whether it's the off-season, the on-season, the middle-season, whatever season it is, we are here for you. Um, so lovely to have you. If you're new, welcome to 2022 and late-breaking. It didn't start until this podcast started, so congratulations. You made it. Yeah, it's the 1st of January now, when you listen to this. Um, more importantly, though, new year, new fire alarm battery. <laughs> it's too sad. <laughs> It's too sad. <laughs> He's murdering it. He's murdering it. For those of you, for those of you who are not on our Discord, and if you aren't, then you should join because it's, it's well fun in there. Um, folks, I, I got a new battery for my for my fire alarm because even after three weeks of not being in my flat, it was still beeping when I came back, and I thought it was time. It was time to stop the beep. So, uh, yeah, the the beep is no more. But for people listening, I'm, I'm sure that's actually a good thing. But you know, it's been a, it's been an emotional week for me. The fire alarm was the only one working over the Christmas period out of the four of us. And um, 
You you can't stop the beep. Sounds like a great record that maybe we should work on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we should have a new jingle. We'll get cracking on that. And um, just to say, I mean, Harry's fire alarm did become a member of the late breaking <laughs> Hall of Fame at the back end of last year, so it is slightly worrying. And I would, if I were Shaquille O'Neal or Yuki Tsunoda or Dave Benson Phillips, I would be very careful about who they interact with in the coming months because apparently Harry likes to murder. Those who make the Hall of Fame. So, um, gonna take your batteries out, Big Shaq. Watch you back. <laughs> now in the late breaking museum, Big Shaq, you could be next, sir. Please don't sue us. It's not a real threat. Fortunately, we're not here to just talk about fire alarms. We've got plenty of Formula One stuff to talk about, even though we are firmly in the off season right now. Sam mentioned something about a new song. Well, ironic that he mentions that because there will be a new theme song coming up later on because there is a new game that we are introducing for the new year um it's f1 order please what could that possibly entail you'll have to find out later on uh we're also going to be talking about alex alban who'll be returning to f1 this year after a year's absence from the sport uh and we'll also be talking about the not quite breaking news but it did happen before we recorded so many thanks to you otmar safnauer who has left aston martin we'll be discussing the ramifications of that event but first of all we're going to do the same thing that we did at the start of 2021 um, we decided that 2021 was a wildly unsuccessful year for us as per usual, so we'll start 2022 in exactly the same way. <laughs> Go along with the pattern. New Year's resolutions for Formula One drivers. Um, we gave these out last year with some being met, some not being met. Um, to, I mean, positively, um, Sam, you gave Mick Schumacher a, uh, a New Year's resolution of absolutely destroying Nikita Mazepin. We could argue that that was true. We also yeah. gave the New Year's resolution that Max Verstappen should work well with his teammates in order to become competitive for the championship. Would say he did that. There were a few that didn't sure. quite go as well. Sam said that a success for Sergio Perez would be him being 20 to 50 points within Max Verstappen. The final total oh. was 205.5 <laughs> for anyone counting. Um, and I also said that Valtteri Bottas's New Year's resolution should be him winning two races in a row. Unfortunately, when you win only one race all season, that makes it incredibly <laughs> difficult to achieve that. <laughs> but we'll get on to 2022 New Year's resolutions uh, and we'll start with Max Verstappen. And we'll go to you for this one, Sam. He managed to make good on the one we gave him last year. So will he do the same this year? I think we've got to step it up. You know, he is the reigning world champion. I know there's a lot of people out there who won't be happy to hear that, but, you know, we're moving on with it. He is the current world champion. He'll be represented with that, with the number one on the car. The first time we've seen a number one on the car for a long time as well. So, at least that's exciting. That's something different. Um, and I think that Max Verstappen, logically, his resolution is to win the world title again. He has to go back to back. If he wants to be seen as, you know, one of the all-time greats, one of the ones that can stand amongst giants, they're all about five foot nine, unless you're, uh, unless you're Satil, and then you're six foot seven. Um, then, yeah, you've got to go on and win the World Championship again, or at least be competing for it as he did this season, in the 2021 season, and try and take it down to the wire. Of course, a little caveat on that is the fact that we don't know the car's performance, we haven't even got to winter testing yet, but I know that Verstappen will be sat there thinking... I want to win it again. He's a racing driver in the day. He is the current world champion. I know in an interview that came out, he said, I'm not here to win multiple. I just wanted to get that one. He'll go on and go on and win it again. Let's not lie to ourselves. So Max Verstappen, New Year's resolution is to become a double 
world champion and win it in consecutive seasons. It has to be. It surely can't be anything less for a man of his level of competitive nature. Yeah, and I mean, it would be good for him to legitimately win a championship as well, right? Oh, oh, no. oh he's put oh, the base. He's put the base out. I, I am. <laughs> I am. Before anyone gets in the comments and massively complains at me, I am joking when I say that. Need to make that perfectly we'll clear. Li- we've already ended the podcast, and it's the first <laughs> ten, what, fifteen minutes? For God's sake, seven. Sorry, I take it back. It's the first seven minutes that you've ended the podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, cutting it off early this year. So Max Verstappen's New Year's resolution is to go back-to-back, win a second championship. Of course, as you already mentioned, caveat there that he actually has a car that's capable of doing so, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Harry, Daniel Ricciardo, you got a New Year's resolution for him? Yes, I do. Daniel Ricciardo's um, New Year's resolution is that he just needs to pretend that every race is at Monza. I don't think that's a safe idea. What happens when he's in Monaco <laughs> and misses the first corner because he still thinks there's another 200 metres to go down to the first corner? Eh, it meh, it'd be fine. Um, no, but uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't mean quite literally, obviously. I mean, I mean, good mentally and, and performance-wise, because I think Monza weekend he was on form the whole time, and and we've seen it before with Ricardo, I think. Um, he has some really on-form races. Obviously, this year, his off-form races, or less on-form races, were, were really, really not great. But, yeah, I think he just needs to... And I, I believe Ricardo will. It's year two, as it was you know, at Renault. He came back strongly there, so I think he'll be struck back strongly this year. But um, if, he, if he can inspire the same form he had over that Italian GP weekend, because it was the Daniel Ricardo we all know and love that weekend, um, then I think that it'll, it'll bode well for this year. Yeah, big year coming up for Daniel Ricciardo. Um, interesting to see if he does follow that same pattern that he had at Renault where, as you already mentioned, he improved quite significantly in his second year. I am going to go for George Russell, newest Mercedes driver, of course, and what he needs to do this year. My, my New Year's resolution for George Russell is to... And I'm not quite sure what the best way to put this is, but I've, I've put down force the issue. And what I'm basically telling him to do is the same thing that Charles Leclerc did versus Sebastian Vettel back in 2019. There's a lot of question marks over what sort of a role George Russell will play within Mercedes this year. Will he be right up there with Lewis Hamilton by the end of the year? Will he be right up there straight away? Will he just be there in a supporting role in his first year at the team? Uh, And I think even though Mercedes haven't outwardly said anything about number one or number two drivers, I think Russell just needs to force the issue and drive himself into contention. Uh, It's what Charles Leclerc did. You remember back to 2019 when Charles Leclerc was brand new into that Ferrari outfit. He was very clearly the number two driver in that situation. Ferrari said it themselves. Vettel is number one. Leclerc is number two. So what did Leclerc do? Uh, The first race at Australia, I think Vettel finished ahead of Leclerc, but Leclerc was strictly told, don't overtake Vettel. He he, he complied with that. And then the second race came along, where he was behind uh, Vettel at Bahrain. If you remember, it's the race where Leclerc very nearly won, if not for reliability issues towards the end of the race. He was told to wait behind Sebastian Vettel, don't overtake him just yet. He ignored team orders and just sent it up the inside of turn one. And from that point on, he directed the narrative. He he said, look, I'm, I'm not here to be a number two driver. And he let his driving do the talking. 
it, it, it doesn't matter if you are put into a number two position by a team. If you're 20 seconds up the road, it doesn't matter. And you force the issue that way. So I would like to see George Russell do something pretty similar. Whether it's achievable or not remains to be seen. But he just needs to go in there. Don't settle for anything. Go in there and force the issue. I think that's the way he proceeds with this. But whether he achieves it or not, you'll have to wait for prediction time, which will be uh, which will be coming oh, up oh, sooner teaser. rather than later. Uh, yeah, oh. teammate wars will be making a reappearance in February. Don't you worry about that. We'll move on to the person that George Russell has replaced at Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas. Now, as we already referenced in the start, he definitely did not uh, abide by the New Year's resolution I gave him last year. So, Sam, are you going to give him something slightly more achievable? I mean, he defied the prediction that I also gave him last year. If you remember famously, I said that he wouldn't win a race all season. We got very close. You know, he ticked one of, what, 22, 23 boxes last season. So, come on, Bottas. You, you managed to make both me and Ben wrong. The most you could have done is at least prove one of us right. Um, Valtteri, I'm glad I get to speak on you. The first podcast of the year. My, my heart goes out to, to old Valtteri, to Walter. Um, I think he just needs to be a leading example of Alpha. He needs to be pushing that team to deliver the best result possible. And I think he needs to try and be a stronghold of the midfield. He needs to make sure that uh, Guan Yu Zhao, who is obviously in his first season, is able to learn, is able to grow, is able to develop a lot. Bottas has essentially been taught by Hamilton the last three, four seasons. Well, now Bottas needs to transfer that knowledge to, to the youngster that's joining him alongside him with the team. So I want Bottas to be a team leader. I want him to be an educator. And I want him to show what that alpha can really do. I'm hoping they have a car to deliver it. Because I think, I think Bottas could do something. We saw how well he did in Williams before he moved to Mercedes, especially in those midfield upper echelons. I'd like to see it happen again. Let's hope you get a bit of that Bottas magic back. Because it's, I feel like he's lost it a little bit. So for me, Bottas to be a strong Alfa Romeo leader and to guide the team for next season. Do you think that, let's say hypothetically in 10 years' time, 15 years' time, however many years it is, when Alfa Romeo will want to look back and say that they actually you know, achieved something in F1, gained some wins, championships, who knows? Do, are you basically suggesting that Bottas needs to play the role where he's the one that kick-starts it? He's very unlikely to be the one to see it through based on what we've seen at Mercedes but are you suggesting that his legacy will be that he's the one that that started the culture started it all off well I think that that's what they were hoping for with Kimi Reichen of course you bring on a, a world champion yes okay they're in the latter stages of their career but he's got a lot of experience at Ferrari also did brilliantly with Lotus and, and McLaren um, obviously won his title with Ferrari um, you, you think realistically if we're going to rely on a, a Finnish driver at the end, coming towards the end of their career Kimi Reichen was possibly the person to pass on that knowledge I think you would argue it hasn't worked that way. But Bottas does get to govern, I, sh I think is the right word, the, the start of a new era for the team, right? Um, and I would hope that Alfa Romeo have realised that they weren't in the strongest position ever last season. So they put time and effort into the new car, the new regulations. And with that, I think it's a fair assumption to hope that maybe in the next eight to ten years, if Bottas is, say, there for two or three of them comfortably, that he could propel them from a, a back-of-the-midfield car to a top four team and then who knows one that fights for a championship I think I think they will be hoping in the long run that Bottas can become a very educational and helping hand type figure much of what Alonso is maybe doing for Alpine as well I don't think Bottas has the same 
skill necessarily about him that maybe Fernando or Vettel has in their elder areas of their teams. But I would like to think that he could pass off a lot, a lot of knowledge coming from, in terms of constructors at least, the most successful team of all time in consecutive championships. So yeah, you'd like to think he can actually progress some of that knowledge to a team that's lower down the field. I'd like to think so anyway. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, Valtteri Bottas is obviously entering his almost third stage of his career. You had the first stage at Williams where he was this up-and-coming talent. You've got the Mercedes stage where he was that supporting driver to Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Harry. Do you think that the transition from supporting driver at Mercedes to potentially a team leader, uh, guidance sort of role at Alfa Romeo, do you think he will take to that quite naturally? Do you think it will come easy to him? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be something that's easy for Bottas, but I think it's definitely something he'll he'll relish uh, <clears throat> going uh, going forward because it's it's going to be such a different challenge to, to be honest. I think he's just going to relish not having to go up against Lewis Hamilton week in week out. I think that alone will will be so good for Valtteri Bottas in the next couple of years, um, and I, and I think he'll easily grow into that role. I don't think it'd be necessarily something he's used to before because. You know, he was at Williams where he was young rookie, you know, young gun. Then he was straight to that Mercedes where he's been number two to Hamilton. So this is a completely, completely new ball game for him. But um, yeah, I think I think he'll relish it, and I think I think he will um, eventually get there with it. And like like you've been saying, I think um, this could be a good legacy for for Bottas to have. Yeah, mm, just relish. <laughs> Insight, insightful commentary. <laughs> As ever from Sam Sage, uh, it might be a new year, but try. you know, same things, same things from twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. We'll stay with you, Harry, for the next one, which is Charles Leclerc. You'll notice how I called him Charles because he lost his god status at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and it's it's going to be a few months until he can potentially get that back. But what do you have as his uh, as his New Year's resolution, Harry? Um, this might seem a bit harsh, but it should be to not get beaten by Carlos Sainz again uh, because you know no, I don't think any of us all three of us here and most of the F1 world I don't think we expected Charles Leclerc to be beaten by Carlos Sainz in Carlos Sainz's first season at Ferrari and you know there are mitigating factors involved in that but you've got to be in it to win it so um, yeah I think you know it's not the end I'm not going to go on Nico Rosberg on, Carl, uh, on a Charles Leclerc here but and it's not going to be the end of his career, but it, it'll be damaging if he gets beaten by signs two years on the trot. Um, it's not a good look. Not a good look for old ex god Leclerc, Moses Leclerc. We'll Moses now. Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> Part the Red Sea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, Ferrari red. You know. Anyway, um, yeah. So I think it, he's, he's got to be on top of on top of signs this year because uh, signs may be surprised even Leclerc himself how, how quick he was so um, yeah in, you know it's not a make or break but it's, I think it's an important year for the career of young Leclerc yeah um, Sam what's your thoughts on, on Leclerc do you agree with the New Year's resolution that, that Harry gave well yeah I mean fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me I think comes to mind I think you're exactly right Harry it's you know Carlos Sainz can't beat Leclerc twice otherwise what does that say what does that say about the legacy that people believe Leclerc is going to have with Ferrari. We, we as a trio have said very much how impressed we've been with Charles Leclerc. And you're right, there were very large mitigating circumstances that meant that Carlos Sainz 
finished in front of Charles Leclerc last season. It wasn't every single race they both finished and over the season, Carlos Sainz beat Leclerc. But you have got to be in it to win it. And if it happens two years in a row, then it isn't just a matter of, uh, my car was more unreliable than your car, or I got crashed into more times, etc., etc. It was, nope, two years in a row, I've done it. So that, you know, I, I'm better than you, I'm faster than you. And I think that is really damaging for Leclerc's reputation moving forward. I don't think it stops him being a brilliant driver. I don't think it stops him being someone that people look to as, you know, a, a future world champion, maybe. But... I do think it damages reputation going forward. We haven't said the same thing about Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen, where they've been beaten multiple times in a row by a teammate, especially one who sounds harsh on Sainz, but has achieved as little as Carlos Sainz. You look at who Lewis Hamilton's been up against and you know, possibly struggle with, Jenkson Button, Nico Rosberg, Fernando Alonso. They're all world champions. Carlos Sainz isn't even a race winner as of yet, so it wouldn't look good for Charles Leclerc if it does happen. So I think it's a very fair... Um, New Year's resolution to make. Um, but also, good on Carlos Sainz for giving it a proper go in his first year. I think even if he did get beat, didn't get beaten by uh, Leclerc, rather, when he finished behind him, it would still have been a very impressive first season of Ferrari. It just happened that some things went his way and he finished in front. So, I think Ferrari can be happy with the fact they've got such a strong partnership, though. That's definitely an upside to this. Yeah, I think there's there are still questions remaining as to who will be the primary um, rival for Max Verstappen going forward. I think when we had, say, 2005, when sort of Alonso came on the scene, Raikkonen was always there, very much alongside him as his as his adversary. Whereas Max Verstappen went up one on one against Lewis Hamilton, but we know Lewis Hamilton is much closer to the end of his career than the start of his career, and at some point, Max Verstappen is going to have to go up against someone else. And I think that is still a bit of a vacant spot at the moment, whether it will be filled by Charles Leclerc or whether the likes of Russell and Norris could maybe leapfrog him into that spot. So I think there is a point for Leclerc to prove this year. I do think he got a little bit unlucky in 2021. I I do still believe he was the better of the two drivers at Ferrari. But the fact is, because Carlos Sainz was joining the team, even with a bit of bad luck, you would expect Leclerc to get the job done, and he didn't. So, um, you know, a one-one result across two years looks much better for Leclerc. Oh, two that that doesn't look great at all. The next one I'll pick out is Guan Yu Zhou. Um, I was going to start by saying his New Year's resolution should be best rookie of the year. However, I feel like that might be slightly too easy. So um, the Latifi Award, the Nicholas Latifi Memorial Award. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds like he's died. I don't know. I don't know Not why dead. it's a memorial. He's very much alive. He's very. We much love alive. him. As much as the public or certain members of the public try to lynch him for what happened at Abu Dhabi, he is fortunately very much still with us. Um, Guan Yu Zhou. I'm going to go quite specific with this one, um, and this one is slightly dependent on how many races we get this year. So there is a 23 race calendar for 2022 and this is dependent on there being exactly 23 races but I've put here and I don't know whether this will seem a little bit too easy or not or too difficult I've got he needs to out qualify Bottas six times out of the 23 races and I think if he does that that would be a solid achievement for him Valtteri Bottas we've always had questions about his not even his race pace, but the consistency of his race pace. The fact that it only seems to happen once every four or five race weekends. But in qualifying, he's been on the mark more times than, than he hasn't. People people seem to forget that 
how good he was qualifying against Felipe Massa in his Williams days. The overall total, and I am fully expecting the first stat man of the year from this, but the overall total was 41 in Bottas's favour to 18 in Massa's, Massa's favour. So it's quite a big disparity. Stat man! <laughs> Thank you very much. So 40, 41 we should just get that 18. recorded, by the way. <laughs> no, it, it's much more fun to get you to do it every time. Um, <laughs> for forty-one eighteen, that's a pretty massive disparity over someone who was, you know, a couple of corners away from being a world champion. And even against Lewis Hamilton, even though Hamilton has had the edge every single season in terms of qualifying, it has generally been closer than what the race pace has been. So, I think out qualifying Bottas six times over the course of twenty-three races, I think that would be absolutely fine for. For Guan Yu Zhou. What do you think about that one, Sam? Sorry, I've just had flashbacks of Massa's dad in the pit garage after you said a couple of corners away from being a world oh, But, you know, the Ferrari signs flying. Yeah, and then <laughs> in the background, you know, black and white camera, Gary Jules Magwell. Nicole Scherzing has lost it. <laughs> Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Screaming into the pit lane, she goes. Uh, that was a strange timing, Formula One. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, I think. Then six times to beat Valtteri Bottas, who I think is a brilliant qualifier. It's a very good challenge. It's a very tough challenge. But I think, you know, six times over, let's say, 23 races, if we get them, um, I'll allow you to alter that if we if we get a massive reduction in those Grand Prix. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a tough challenge, but definitely one he should be aiming for. I Mine is a little harder to quantify for Guan Yu Zhou. I think he just simply needs to change the opinion of the average F1 fan that he isn't only there because of financial backing. I think it's okay to be a Formula 1 seat through financial backing if you've got talent to back it up. Um, Lance Stroll is an example of that, right? Lance Stroll, he came into Formula 1, there were questions around it. Should he be there or is he just there because of Father Christmas Stroll uh, backing him up? But I think over the last couple of seasons, yeah, he hasn't proven he's a world champion material. He hasn't proven he should be in a world championship winning car. But he's not the worst driver on the grid. And he does a pretty all right job. He nearly beat Sebastian Vettel. You know, like, he's done okay. I think Wang Yuzhou needs to get to that level. And I think he needs to prove to fans around the world that, you know what? He is worthy of being in F1 seat financially with, with that backing or not. Let's remember there's a lot of favourite drivers out there that also have a lot of financial backing. Um, so Wang Yuzhou, I think, has to just earn his place in the F1 fans' hearts as well as actually the seat itself. So, just some solid performances. Don't make a fool of yourself. Um, maybe don't listen to Yuki Sangoga about when to hit the brake going into corners. Great bit of advice there. Great bit of advice. Um, speaking of Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly's next up. What's his New Year's resolution, Sam? Oh, Pierre. I think Pierre needs to... As a, as a New Year's resolution, he needs to emulate last season. He needs to walk away from the 2022 season with a decision in hand of, I'm going to drive the Red Bull car, or I'm going to leave the Red Bull family and have a, a seat ready to go. And I think a season such as the last one should, in my opinion, cement that for him. He was phenomenal last season. Wasn't driver of the season level, but it was by far the best we've seen of him. And I would argue he was one of the best in the midfield by a long, long way. Probably top five drivers for me last season. Um, absolutely brilliant to watch. He elevated that Alfa Tauri beyond belief. You know, he regularly put it up with the McLarens and the Ferraris. Well, yes, Yuki Tsunoda was a rookie, but was regularly qualifying 16th, 17th. And you still expect that. I know it was too early for Yuki, but you expect more when the car is going to be capable of it. Um, so for me, 
Pierre Gasly finds himself a seat that isn't the Alpha Tauri. That's his New Year's resolution. Get himself out of that Alpha Tauri seat. It'll be interesting to see, actually, because Yuki Tsunoda had a couple more encouraging races towards the end of the season. I don't know whether that carries on and Gasly doesn't look as good as a result of that versus Sonoda or whether he, he slaps him back into place and actually just continues where where he was for m- much of last season. Um, Mick Schumacher, Harry. I found this one quite tricky, but uh, for Mick, <coughs> excuse me, uh, for Mick, he, he needs to... Um, Get rid of iron out those mistakes he was making last year. Last year, which were allowed, it's the first year, and actually, kind of a, for him and Mazepin, it was kind of a free year because that car was nothing, and they could do what they wanted. I mean, obviously, Gunter would be mad if he kept smashing it up, which he did a few times. Uh, but um, yeah, so he needs to iron out those mistakes, and then I think also he needs to show that he has good race pace and also good race pace in amongst being in the midfield which is or at least the lower end of the midfield which is where we expect at least has to be this year you know they they might still be at the back we don't know but they're going to be at least in amongst it again whereas they whereas they weren't last year so i think a couple of things he needs to prove he needs to prove he's he's got good race pace can stick stick it in the midfield in terms of you know um, race craft and iron out iron out a few of those mistakes so it's kind of three resolutions but um he's a tricky one to to make for mick because you know last year was such a weird one we saw some saw a couple of good quality laps he he did absolutely smash mazepin as as we we said he, sh- he should do last year so that's good but um yeah and a tough one to make but i think if he gets those things right then he's a uh, he's on he's on way on on his way I mean, the the opportunities that he did get against other midfield cars, they were incredibly limited, but it was great to see when it did actually happen. I'm, I'm thinking most significantly uh, Portugal. He had a good fight against Nicolas Latifi there. Uh, and Hungary, of course, I know there was a bit of carnage that led to the spot, but him being even racing against the damaged car that Verstappen had, racing against some of those uh, for the, sort of the top 10 positions, that was, it was a glimpse. Um, and we just need to see more of that and more opportunities for him. And even if you look backwards about the opportunities, Mazepin was often so far away from him that he didn't really have the opportunity to, to race against his own teammate even. Um, and even when he did, they were just trying to dive bored? bomb each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you think they ever got bored? Just like, I'm just driving around here, got no one to race, can't catch people in front, I'm about a mile in front of my teammate. I reckon I reckon they play lap bingo of going, hang on a minute, when is Hamilton slash Verstappen going to lap us this race? And whoever gets it gets to dive bomb the other one. Wow. Has games. Um, I, I like to think... Just, and just I could, things. I, I could be wrong. I like to think that Mick Schumacher is so wholesome that he that doesn't even cross his mind and he's just so happy to be racing an F1. <laughs> I'm in an F1 car every lap. Yes. Him and him and Gary are the most wholesome F1 couple oh, there ever was. If, if I'm ever going through a really difficult time in my life, I need Gary. You just see me uh, It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to put a new front front wing on you, Ben, and it'll all be okay. Oh, thanks, Gary. Cheers, Gaz. <laughs> I'll, I'll round out this uh, this round of New Year's resolutions with Lewis Hamilton, uh, and my one for him is to prolong the new era and I, I very directly comparing what Hamilton the situation Hamilton's in now versus the situation that Michael Schumacher found himself in 
at the end of 2004. So Schumacher wins his seventh championship at the end of 04. Alonso comes along in 05. And it was a really, it was a, it was a defining moment in F1 when Schumacher stopped winning. It was almost the start of the new era. Alonso was the first through the door almost, but Raikkonen followed on very quickly after that. And then Lewis Hamilton won the championship in 08. Massa nearly won the championship in 08. Then you had the Vettel years. So it really felt like Alonso beating Schumacher, Alonso getting that championship was was the start of that new era of F1. And I think we're on the precipice of the same thing here. Max Verstappen has obviously won a championship already. If he were to go ahead and win this one again, suddenly it's almost like Lewis Hamilton is the last of the of that era still defending themselves against this crop of new drivers that are coming through. And the likes of the likes of Russell and Norris, Leclerc, any others you want to add in there, they're coming and, and this new era will come about. But it's Lewis Hamilton's responsibility almost to just... He, he can't stop it, but he can prolong it for as long as he, as he possibly can with a championship win this year. So that's, that's, my, that's my New Year's resolution, is to just fight for the old guys, which sounds very weird saying that about Lewis Hamilton. Very yeah. weird, but that's what you should do. Do it for Kimmy. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Come on, Kimmy. Exactly. It is almost as if, you know, Kimmy's, you know, Kimmy's retired now. You know, Button's retired now. But that that kind of era of F1 is, is definitely on its way out. And, and Lewis Hamilton and potentially Fernando Alonso are, are still there sort of just fighting away. We, we won't let the new guys come through just yet. Um, I'm sure they don't care about that as passionately as I do. But that probably applies to most I things. When it comes... To- when it comes to Lewis Hamilton, I think I have one word for the rest of the grid for their New Year's resolutions, and that is run. I just feel like Hamilton is going to be on an absolute vengeance mission this season. I feel like if, if Mercedes build the car, we know that they can build. I think it could be a bit scary what he's going to try and turn up and do, quite frankly. A little bit terrifying. If he doesn't come back. Yeah. No, yeah. we, we we were in the same discussion last year because he hadn't signed the contract by this point last year. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't care for the discussion then. I don't care for it now. He's in F1 this don't year. Don't care. And if, if he decides <laughs> that he doesn't want to race, I will go over to his home and I will tell him, you are racing. Stop it. Which oh. one? Stop it. Stop it. I, <laughs> stop it, Lewis. Lewis, come on. You're racing. <laughs> Just stand somewhere in Monaco shouting, hope, hoping he'll stick his egg over the balcony. As much as I'd love to see an Esteban Gutierrez return to F1 with him driving the Mercedes, come on, Lewis. You're racing, man. Go on, Esky Goots. Esky Goots. Damn. Let's move on. Let's move on to Otmar Safnauer because he has left Aston Martin, uh, joined the team back in 2009, so been there for a dozen years. Um, but he has left his position, no immediate knowledge of who's going to replace him, or even if they are going to immediately put someone in there to replace him. Harry, were you surprised by this? I, I don't know, almost kind of in the end, because there were there were a few rumours last year that he was you know, about to go off to Alpine, <clears throat> and maybe he does still end up at Alpine, but, it, but it's all gone quiet on that front. I, I have expected that maybe there would be another announcement from the uh, people in Enstone about about uh, Otmar's whereabouts, but um, so far his whereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> he's, lost. Like he's lost. Yeah, 
Um, but so far, as we record, there's been nothing. But um, so yes, yeah, so I was kind of semi surprised because I thought maybe it wasn't actually going to happen. I thought it was going to stay put. Um, and this announcement's kind of, you know, quite close to the season, and there were a few weeks away yet. But um, yeah, uh, so in that sense, it did surprise me. But um, yeah, I think maybe the writing was slightly on the wall when they brought in uh, Mr. Whitmarsh, Martin Whitmarsh, who is now Aston Martin as heading up that technologies department which I you know I guess he could easily switch over to team principal because he's been there before with McLaren and maybe that's what's going to happen I, d- I don't know but um yeah I don't know it's a, it's a sad one it's almost after one bad year he's he's I don't know whether he'd be given the boot or or he's walked out himself but it it seems a bit of a shame because you know they that team has been Consistently, the best of getting the best, uh, the most out of a a small budget, um, and obviously last year didn't go to plan for them. But you know they've had one bad year in a in a series of pretty good years for for a midfield team. So I hope he hasn't had to take the fall for anything in that sense. Um, but yeah, we see he's been there for a while, so maybe he just he decided to to move on to pastures pastures new. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who they. Uh, who they're replacing with because I think he's done a he's done a solid job there for, for quite a long time. Yeah, I have to say I, I wasn't particularly shocked by this. Um but not necessarily because of the performance reason. I, I genuinely don't believe that performance has come into this. Uh and I think it's more just a Lawrence Stroll and Safnau just never clicked. I d I don't think it ever really worked. It always seemed to be a bit awkward between them. I think Otmar occasionally was forced to tow the company line and say some things perhaps that wouldn't naturally come to him uh, and I, I just don't think it ever really worked and I, I agree with what you said in terms of Martin Whitmarsh coming in where that was potentially a writing on the wall scenario you have to remember that the Omar Safnauer just a few months before Whitmarsh was hired actively said that the Aston Martin weren't looking for a CEO position they, they weren't looking for anyone then suddenly a few months later Whitmarsh comes on board now, I don't believe for a second that Otmar Safnauer was flat out lying. So what I think it means is that he genuinely didn't know that that's actually what they were doing. Which, again, I mean, that, that just points to the fact that he wasn't in the loop with what Lawrence Stroll was, was doing for the company at large. Um, I, I think the reality is the team, as it is in 2021, for better or for worse, or, well, 2022, for better or for worse, is not the same team that it was a few years ago. You know, maybe it is for the better maybe this does bring championships but it's not the same team that it was and I just don't think Otmar Safnauer I don't think it's anything against him I, I just don't think he is representative of what Aston Martin are trying to be Sam were you surprised by this? Um, no not shocked I do think it was part partially performance based and uh, I'll tell you one for why folks uh, it's because back in we're back. We're back in 2022. Um, you know, when, when you know, Otmar was backing the team that was in 04, Cindy and all the iterations that it has been while he's been there, they were always the team that got the most out of very, very little. And that was a mentality that I think he, he championed and I think he did very well with. And I think also because of that mentality, there's very little blame, I would go to say, for bad performance arose. It's very hard to look down on someone who has consistently brought out a lot out of very little and then all of a sudden uh, the terms have tabled and Aston Martin and Father Christmas Stroll have delivered lots and lots and lots of money and business know-how and understanding of how to run something efficiently 
And I think Otmar went into this new year with the same mentality that he had previously harboured. And that doesn't work with Mr. Lawrence Stroll. That doesn't work with now the newly appointed Martin Whitmarsh, who have always been a part of very, very financially capable organisations. Um, I think because of that, the mentalities don't click. As you said, Ben, they, they just don't click together um, as two units there. And so when the results came in last season, and they were poor, I think we all need to put our hands up and, and admit Aston Martin were not good enough, especially when you look at the fact that Sergio Perez in the racing point, which of course was another iteration of the team, that Otmar led, won a race uh, with Sergio Perez, literally races before the season started. Boom, out come Aston Martin, and they were what? They're the seventh fastest team? That's not really good enough when they've got that much resource, but yet such a talented team still. They didn't have a max exodus of staff. They didn't, you know, they didn't struggle to retain brilliant personnel. They still had one of the best engines in the in the field. I think they should have delivered more. So I do think the change in mentality, the change in culture, and the poor results which they saw on track definitely garnered a a leaving of Otmar. And I, I I think you're both right when you said we're not sure if he got the boot or if it's kind of mutual. If he just chose, you know, actually, this isn't for me anymore. I want to go find a different challenge in a different culture that suits me. I think all are admirable. And I think Otmar did a brilliant job over the years with those teams that he was part of. I think he can hold his head high. You know, he was he, he relatively did a very successful job with such a small budget. So I have no doubts that Otmar isn't proud of what he's achieved. Um... But I'm also not surprised that the time has come to see a bit of a changing of the guard. And I think Lawrence Stroll, after having his first full year, you know, in charge of the in charge of the team, is now going right. I'm aware of what's going on. I want to put my foot in charge. You know, I want to put my foot first. I want to be in charge of this. And I don't want any conflicting opinions at the top of the tree. I brought in Whitmarsh under my banner. Otmar, you're the last of the old head. Out you go. We're in for a new culture, a new change. So I think that's possibly why those changes have gone ahead. Do you think it will hurt Aston Martin, Harry? And do you think replacement-wise, there's anyone that, that sticks out as they should they should go and get this guy? Um, I, I don't think it will hurt hurt them. Uh, you know, like I've already mentioned, they've they've got Martin Whitmarsh there. If they want to lean on him, uh, who else is free? Cyril, we get <laughs> Cyril Beeple, um, Beeple with his fresh fresh tattoo. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think it will hurt them in the in in the long run. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, I like like Sam said. I'm not sure whether it is a a boot or a mutual agreement. I think it's probably the latter. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think they'll be they'll be fine in the long run. They've got enough talented people in that team there to to uh, to continue. And you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was Bob Fernley that was in charge of. I think it was when he forced this Force India. So. You know, Otmar's not been in charge for the whole time he's been there, so then that team survived well enough. So I think, um, yeah, I think they'll be absolutely fine. As to who's replacing him, no idea. Yeah, I, I think they will generally be all right, but I think it will will hurt them a bit. It's a point that you've already raised, and that is that Force India, as, as they were, were renowned for being so efficient with with their money they were pound for pound the best team year after year and suddenly we're in a budget cap era where being pound for pound the best team is probably going to serve you quite well Uh, and generally efficiency is rewarded in a budget capped sport so losing a key member of the person that drove that i think it is going to hurt um, but I agree, it's not it's not terminal, and, and there are going to be there are going to be some 
So there's going to be someone out there who is a suitable replacement. It's about how they replace it, whether they go for the Alpine route, which is they didn't necessarily directly replace Cyril. They kind of they, they had Budkowski in the sort of team manager role, but they almost split it into two. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing the same thing at Aston Martin, where you've got Martin Whitmarsh overseeing a lot of the uh, a lot of the financial stuff, whereas you've got a more pure team manager, whoever they decide that is. So I could see the role being somewhat split out between two. But as to who it is, it needs to be a long-term hire. And, and Lawrence Stroll has to... has to be, He has to go with one of two uh, hiring... I don't know what the word would be, sort of hiring philosophies. He either has to hire, hire the best person for the role and, most importantly, let them get on with it. Like... They are specialists, whoever you bring in, let them get on with it and let them lead in the way they need to lead. Or you bring in someone who is suitable for the way that Lawrence Stroll likes to manage his employees. If there is a very uh, strict sort of upward chain of command, get someone who can suit that. Because and, and it has to be long-term. There are long-term aspirations at Aston Martin. Whoever comes into the role has to have those similar long-term aspirations. There's no point employing someone who wants a paycheck for a couple of years. Aston Martin want to win championships. They want to do it in X amount of time. They need to bring someone in who knows that and, most importantly, is is on board with that and, and it actually aligns with what they want to do. I don't think there's an obvious name. You know, you said Cyril. Uh, there, were, there was talk of Alpine doing some sort of a swap deal with, with Budkowski, basically having them go uh, opposite ways. I don't think that would happen. Um... I, I mean, I, I don't know who... VJ. VJ, he's free, isn't he? VJ Malia? Yeah. <laughs> See you loud in the country. No legal problems whatsoever. He could do a job. <laughs> uh, maybe not. Eric Boulier. There we go. There's your, there's your, there's your option. Oh, he's a boring lad. <laughs> oh, poor Eric. <laughs> what, what did he do? Poor little Eric. What did he do in F1? Oh, poor Eric. <laughs> moving on from Eric Boulier Sam do you think it will hurt Aston Martin do you have a name that you want to put forward Shaquille O'Neal maybe uh, Eric Eric Boulier would be great no. <laughs> Eric Boulier and Shaquille O'Neal to team team up and take on the role sorry um, late breaking Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal to give him his full title sorry the, sorry Shaquille the full big Shaq uh, the full title <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah so Obviously, as you said, Ben, we're going into a budget cap, and Otmar has been around kind of a very refined budget, a very low-level budget for a long time. And I think, actually, having that expertise would have been very helpful. And maybe asking him to step into another role might have been the more efficient use of his of his skills and his talents and his time. But I think Lawrence Stroll is a very... He's very understated with the way that he runs a business. And I think he knows the people he wants around him. I think he knows that he likes to have, at the end of the day, control if it comes down to it. I think Martin Whitmarsh is also used to working in a very similar organisation, which, of course, McLaren of the Noughties, with Ron Dennis around, was very similar. It was strict, it was, you know, disciplined, and it had direction. Um, it wasn't the culture that we see at the moment with the likes of McLaren or Mercedes, for example, which is very, you know, team camaraderie, uh, we want to be upbeat and, and we want to build each other up all the time you know that that's a different type of culture it's quite new i think to formula one um there are a few names that jump out at me uh, i think whitmarsh definitely 
it could take on the interim role, if not split it, as was already mentioned. He's got experience with the big team. Uh, the guy knows his technicality. He knows how to run a team. He's not necessarily the most successful of all time with the role. But, you know, he's got a lot of experience. And I've got a lot of time for the man as well. Um, some outside choices. I do think uh, Cyril Abutable would be a good choice. He was doing well with Rengo before he, you know, quite suddenly left. It was a bit strange that he was something he wasn't a part of it anymore. Especially as Rengo felt like they were on the up just before coming Alpine. Um, an outside choice, which you haven't mentioned. And I think someone who is a bit of a marketing whiz, team management guy, you know, guru. Um, why not Arriva Bene? Why not bring on the old Ferrari marketing, you know, mogul? That could be a bit different. And I think that actually, if you allowed him to just do the team and chat into the cameras and whatnot and let Whitmarsh do the behind-the-scenes technical stuff, that could be an interesting pairing. Not saying it might work, but who knows? Could be fun for us as a viewer. And finally, um, my actual serious answer, and I think it could be a very interesting change of pace, change of scene, um, Aston Martin's WEC team principal... John Gore, I think his name is, very familiar with the setup, very understanding of the family, knows how the team works in a motorsport entity. Yes, WEC is a bit different to Formula One, but racing is racing, right? And he's got the people behind him that understand the technicalities, and he knows strategy, he knows what makes the team work, he knows how to work with drivers of all different variations. Um, it, it keeps it in-house, and it could be quite an interesting appointment. Something that would be seen as a little bit unusual, maybe, but... I wouldn't be against it. I think it could be quite a nice fit for him. Well, I mean, WEC to F1, if you want to use the most recent case study, Andreas Seidel. That worked out all right, didn't it? So, I think... Oh, well, you know. Seems to be going all right. We'll move on to Alex Albon, because as we mentioned, he will be back in Formula One uh, in 2022 after not having a seat for 2021. It will be with Williams, but he is very strictly on loan from Red Bull. So the question is, how critical is this season for Alex Albon, not only in terms of his relationship with Red Bull, but also his career in F1 at large? Sam, what's your thoughts? How critical is this season? I think this season is absolutely crucial um, for Alexander Albon. He left on a very negative reputation I think I think the fans themselves like Alex we like Alex he's a he's a lovely chap right he's a really nice person but in terms of racing ability in terms of the stamp he left on the track it wasn't phenomenal right he he did relatively well against a struggling Kvyat who was at the back end of his career after some tough blows in the Red Bull family having filled every single post that Red Bull have available at one point or another um he obviously in the early stages of career, it looked very promising against the likes of Ricardo when they were both in the uh, the highest seats. It looked it looked strong, and then it kind of fell away from him. And he, he took the punishment of being demoted, then kicked out, then brought back in. Um, that was the last time we saw Albon, right? And he, it wasn't phenomenal there. Yeah, it got the job done, but it wasn't breathtaking. He now comes off against Latifi, Latifi who is good, Latifi who is lovely, but Latifi who is not going to set the world on fire with his driving ability, as we saw against George Russell, who of course is tipped to become possibly a multiple-time world champion. I think Albon needs to deliver very similar levels of performance as to what George Russell delivered in that car. I don't care where the car sits on the grid for Albon to do this, but he has to absolutely demolish Latifi. He has to put his stamp on it, he has to show that he's back, he has to show that his timeout at the likes of DTM wasn't lost, uh, because there are certain 
other drivers in the Formula Sphere, in the likes of F2, who went to uh, DTM and did incredibly well, and have almost made a bigger statement there than what Albon did. So I'm hoping he turns up, and from the get-go, he's able to really put his foot down and get going. Different regulations, of course, but he's on the same foot as everyone else. Everyone else has got to adapt to this. He'll have the same testing time. He did testing for Red Bull last season. He should be prepared. I expect him to be firing on all cylinders, motivating as well to get going. So, yeah, Albon needs to be beating Latifi comfortably over the whole season. And I think if he wants to see himself as a runner, possibly for a Red Bull family seat in the long run, he's got to prove that he can do it in another car. He's got to prove that he can do it against it. Well, I would argue one of the weaker teammates he will find himself against. So, good luck, Alex. I think you can do it, but let's see what you can do. I think it's important with Alex Albon to look at Pierre Gasly and the comparison there and to think, what is our collective idea of the reputation of Pierre Gasly right now? Pretty positive. Imagine what it would have been if he was dumped by Red Bull and he didn't get back into the Toro Rosso seat and now the Alfa Tauri seat. It would be completely different to what it is now. Gasly had a terrible half season for Red Bull. If that's where his driver career ended, his reputation would be so much lower than what it would be now as as a result of the year's experience that, that Gasly's got. So I think Albon in that respect deserves not necessarily the benefit of the doubt, but he definitely deserves the opportunity to try and do the same thing that Gasly did. Because if Gasly can do it, there is the potential at least that Albon can do it. At the very least, he's, he's, he deserves a chance. It's more difficult for him because it's not going to happen within the Alpha Tauri outfit where it happened for Gasly. He's had to go outside of the Red Bull program entirely, so it's going to be more difficult for him. But as you say, Sam, Nicholas Latifi does represent, at least in Formula 1 terms, one of the easiest teammates you could possibly go up against. It's not an insult to Nicholas Latifi. It just shows you the, the quality that's in F1 nowadays you won't get too many more easier opportunities than this I think that the season is crucial for Alex Albon in terms of his Red Bull prospects 100% because if he doesn't perform this year and and I include if he has a solid year this year that is not enough he has got to have a brilliant year to be considered for that program going forward because there are young drivers coming through who are ready to or who will be ready to take his place you know, Lawson and Vips already on the cusp. They probably only need one more year in F2 apiece, possibly two. Dennis Halgo won the F3 championship last year. I imagine he's only a couple of years away from knocking on the F1 door. So you've got those few drivers who are going to be there or thereabouts. And Alex Alban, it's not going to happen for him unless he has an exceptional season this year. I think in terms of his Formula One prospects as a whole... If he has a solid year, I could see him still being retained by Williams, but actually just as a Williams driver, if Red Bull were to drop him from the programme. Let's say he does an okay job, beats Latifi, is absolutely fine. Williams would probably settle for that and say, okay, yeah, we'll have him for the next couple of years. He's a better driver than Latifi. We haven't exactly got anyone in F2 or F3 that's going to make their mark. I think we could do much worse than Albon, and I think they would actually accept him having a solid year and take him 100% and, and not just on loan. But for Red Bull prospects, I think this year is crucial and it needs to be exceptional. Anything less than that, I don't think it's going to happen for him within that program at least. What do you think, Harry? Yeah, I mean, not too much more to add to that, to be honest. Um, I agree with what he said. I think this year he can have a he can have an okay year and 
in the Williams and still be in that Williams for for another couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's a huge it's a huge year if he wants to be in a, in a Red Bull seat again one day. I think it's very telling <clears throat> from a Red Bull point of view that they've they've kept him around because I think it's almost not admitting, but it's like they've they've realised they realised putting him in that Red Bull seat. He, they fudged it up. They did it too early, and it's almost sort of they feel like they owe it to Alex to keep him keep him around, and they obviously kept him in that reserve driver role for 2021, and then have found him a seat. So I think they they they're still invested in Alex Albon, um, and but they they obviously want him to deliver this year. So it'd be interesting to see how how he gets on. But yeah, I think it's it's not a make or break on his F1 career, but it's uh, definitely a make or break on his Red Bull prospects. It does feel like they've Red Bull have almost got the perfect insurance policy here where if Albon's brilliant at Williams, great, they can snap him back up at the end of the year. If he's terrible, they can completely let him go. And then potentially there is a middle ground of he's done a pretty good job, but Perez has done a good job as well. We don't want him in that seat. You can have him for one more year, Williams. And they might well accept that. So it does leave the options open, doesn't it? So somehow, from 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 a position of complete rubbishness, when they couldn't find a driver for their seat or a right driver, they've got to a position where they have an insurance policy, which is, mm. I mean, I, it's not. We can complain about the ethics of the Red Bull Junior Driver uh, Junior Driver Program, but they've they've snatched it from the jaws of, well, it's not defeat, but rubbishness, I guess, in that sense, because they've now they've now got a couple of drivers they can put in that seat if they want to come 2023 the Jaws of Rubbishness sounds like an awful parody we would do of Jaws the film where it would just be a massive Wilkinson's <laughs> bin chasing you down <laughs> yeah because it didn't get a Hall of Fame nomination yeah, sorry Wilkinson's bin maybe next year hey who knows already already the nominations are piling up we have to sift through all of them <laughs> I think we've uh, we've left the people waiting long enough. Sam's getting his vocal cords ready because it's time for a brand new game here in 2022. It's time for F1 Order, Please. Whether it's a can of Coca-Cola or a lump of cheese or we're ordering drivers by the size of their knees this game is full of facts, just you wait and see. This is Formula One. Order, order, please. Wow, that is that's quite literally the most comprehensive one you've ever done. That's got a I, lot of I, effort. In it. I took six or seven minutes to write that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, Sam. I expected great things, and you've surpassed those expectations. <laughs> Thank you. Just everyone listening, the guys never hear these before I come no. out with them, so they are you know one-time things before this. Sam, would you would you like me? And this is an on-air podcast uh, editing discussion. Would you like me to just clip that and reuse it, <laughs> or do you yeah, want to sing it don't, again? Don't later? bother. No, just clip that. I think I've nailed it. <laughs> if you can have that, all right, fine. So prof- so professional here, aren't we? Oh yeah, sorry, listeners, you just heard it. Right. Should, should we give them some, some actual content rather than how we're going to edit the episode? Um, Behind the scenes. You're probably wondering what this game is. And when I say you, I'm actually including Sam and Harry in that as well. So I best explain what we're doing here. Um, You're going to take it in turns, like with much of our games. um, And I'm going to give you four names. They could be of 
teams, cars, could be anything. Um, and I'm going to ask you to order them in a particular way. So, for example, I might say, I want you to order these four people from oldest to youngest, me, Harry, Sam, and Dave Benson Phillips. And you would have to guess them in the correct order. If you get it in the correct order, not only do you win a point, but you also get to hear former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko, niche British reference, saying order. This works well, I, I folks. I promise you I've pressed the play button, folks. I promise. <laughs> go ahead, it give also it explains go. why I did it in the song, so it would be good if you could get the noise. It's, it's, it's not working. Oh, no! Oh, no. Oh, hello. This is... Listeners this... of the podcast. This is... Oh, hello, we got it. I've, I've, I... It's working on preview mode. I'm going to see if it works on live mode. Order! <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> we are good at podcasts. Good Lord. Um... So, yes, you get a point if you get them all in the correct order. However, there's a bit of a twist with this game. Because if you get it wrong, the other person has the chance to steal it. But there is a bit of a decision to be made. Because I won't tell you how many you've got right and how many you've got wrong. I will just say that's not in the right order. The other person has the chance to steal the point. If they get it correct, they get a point. However, if you choose to steal or try to steal and get it wrong, you will lose a point. So there is the potential. Oh, it's an actual game. There is the potential to finish on minus points in this game. So I'm sure one of you will get there. Can't wait till I get minus four. Um, What you're basically saying to me, Ben, is we're playing two 50-50 game choices here that I have to choose from. And I can also get minus points when I get the inevitable 50-50s wrong. Sam, this is designed for you to lose, buddy. Oh, well, at least I get to do the theme song. That's always nice. So there are six overall. So I'll ask you to choose between numbers one and six. Harry, you can go first on this one. I'll go for three, please. Number three. Uh, I want you to name these four people from oldest to youngest. And there's there's four for every category. Yano Trilli. Eddie Irvine. One Pablo Montoya and Mika Hakkinen from oldest to youngest. Mika Hakkinen. As the oldest. Oldest. Old old Mika, as they call him. Uh, (laughs) Who were the other ones? Hang on. So. Eddie, yeah, I should have written that. Eddie Irvine will be the second so one. Hakkinen, Irvine, and then you've got Trillian Montoya. Which way round are they going? Uh, Montoya, then Trilly. All right. So Hakkinen, Irvine, Montoya, and Trilly from oldest to youngest. Yeah. That's incorrect. Oh. Sam, would you like to try and steal this? I, I have to. I need to l- end on minus points. So, yes, I will steal this. All right. How do you want to change his answer? <laughs> I will go Mika Hacking is the oldest. Yeah. Which will be the bit that's now wrong. Eddie Irvine next. Then Yarno Trulli. Then Mr. Chunky. Well, 
Sam, you very correctly managed to switch around Trulli and Montoya. The problem is Eddie Irvine is older than Mika Hakkinen. So, Sam, you are on minus one point to kick us oh, off. No. <laughs> yes! It's happened! <laughs> the one fifty-fifty. I couldn't have that was right. I could, I could just get all of mine wrong, but then let Sam yes. get mine wrong <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> You'll end on zero, I'll end on minus four. For those of you keeping score at home, uh, Eddie Irvine is the oldest at 56 years old. Mika Hakkinen is then 53. Jano Trulli, 47. And one one Pablo Montoya, Mr. Chunky. (laughs) He's 46. Um, Pablo Montoya. That's the guy. (laughs) All right, Sam, can you get yourself out of the hole? Uh, and managed to get yourself back to no <laughs> points. What number would you like? If me and Harry were stood next to each other on some like some grass, I'd now be in an inch of dirt. Yes. Like he'd just be stood on the grass. Um, I would like number six, please. All right, number six. I'm going to give you four drivers, and I want you to put them in order from most race wins to least race wins. Oh, they can have like three each. That doesn't make sense. They can't have three each. No, that's not a very good game, is it? <laughs> here, here are the drivers on this one you've got Nigel Mansell Doctor Doctor oh, Dr. Nige Juan Manuel Fangio Max Verstappen oh, okay. and Damon Hill okay I'm going to say that Dr. Nige has the least Fangio has the third least Hill second least, Max Verstappen known as the most when you put them at the top. The fourth least. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me let me just. So are you saying that Max Verstappen has the most wins of that lot? Just to clarify. Yes. Okay. So Max Verstappen, Correct. then Hill, then Fangio, uh, then Mansell. Uh, it's incorrect. Maxwell was too busy saving lives. Oh, Harry, steal it. Harry, do you want to try and steal this? <laughs> Nah. He's staying on zero. (laughs) Sam, I'm I'm not going to give you a minus point, but I really should, because you've managed to get the right order if I asked for least to most. Oh, You've literally got it the exact wrong way round. (laughs) I thought Verstappen had more wins than that. Nigel Mansell has 31. He's got the most. Followed by Fangio at 24. Damon Hill at 22 and Max Verstappen at 20. That is impressive. Is Verstappen even a real world champion? Well, uh, questions to be asked. Um, <laughs> minus one remains your score, I'm afraid, Sam. Harry, what number would Good. you like next? One, two, four or five? Number one, please. Number one. Uh, so I want you to name these four drivers from most appearances with Red Bull to least appearances with Red Bull. Okay. David Coulthard, Max Thank Verstappen, you. Daniel Ricciardo, and Mark Webber. Oh, where's Chris Clean? Okay. I will go for. Oh, blimey. Uh, okay. Get DC it the wrong way round. DC at the bottom. DC at the bottom. Yeah. And then Daniel Ricardo. Oh no, have I got this wrong? No, all right, I'll carry on. Daniel, no, Daniel Ricardo, 
the second from the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Mark or Max? Mark. How many this is the Weber third do? least position? Mark Verstappen. Oh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Verstappen's done. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. All oh, right. Weber, then Verstappen. All right. So you're going Max Verstappen, Weber, Ricardo, Coulthard. Yeah. Incorrect. Oh. Sam, can you steal? Do you want to steal? <laughs> On my mission to have the lowest points tally of all time, I will steal. I think, I think you can get this one. How, I think how you are you changing this. it? I'm going to swap Coulthard and Ricardo. So Ricardo least, then Coulthard, then Weber, then Verstappen. Verstappen, Weber, Coulthard, Ricardo is your final answer. Yes, I can't help that my brain does this the wrong way no, around. No, that's quite time. right. Yes. Um, <laughs> for me. I did the wrong way around. Anyway. You, you, did, you did need to make one switch. It's the wrong switch. <laughs> and you made the wrong switch. Oh, my God. Harry was very close. If you had put Mark Webber and Max Verstappen the other way around, you would have been right. Really? Oh, yeah. really? 09, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's five seasons. Verstappen's done 16, 17. Yeah, 20 18, was only half a season. Oh, balls. And he only joined he only joined Red Bull halfway through. Yeah, that's a very good point. Wasn't Weber at God. Red Bull in 08? Oh, of course he was. 08. Yeah. And 07. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying my life right. on minus two minus. so Harry can literally not get one right and he'd still win well you've got your one next Sam to try and get yourself back to minus one uh, two four or five <laughs> uh, well I'm on minus two so let's go for number two alright I mean solid logic number two uh, I want you to name the mo- these drivers how many teams they've raced for from most to least oh Carlos Sainz, Mika Hakkinen, Felipe Massa, and Nicky Lauda. Uh, hold on, I'm going to have to write them down. I'm actually going to put thought into this one, folks. So Sainz, Lauda, Hakkinen, and Massa. And it was the other one? Massa, thank you. Okay, so. I need to do it in my head. It's some silence, folks. I know I'm talking and there will be silence. I've got to do it in my head because I don't have to give Harry any answers. Genuinely silence, by the way. Yeah. Oh, Ben, how should we uh, interlude this? Oh, uh, a bit of music. Elevator music would be great. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Whip! Alternatively, I'm sure you are a bit of an editing whiz, so, you know. Oh, I could edit this out, couldn't I? You could do. Nah. It's going to be a bit embarrassing if you leave this in now, because we kind of... Staying in. Here we go. Come on, Sam. I'm still doing it in my head here. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, all right, dun. folks. Uh, we're we're back after the break, um, and I feel like I have 
I've, I've got an answer. It, it was louder that was confusing me. Um, okay, I get, so from least to most or most to least? Uh, most to least. Most to least. Okay, I think most to least. So louder, most, science second, massa third, hacking and last. Okay, louder, science, massa, and then hacking and. Yes. Order! Yes! <laughs> John Berto is going wild in the crowd. Sam has got himself back to minus one. Uh, <laughs> Nicky Lauder Woo! raced for five teams. Carlos Sainz for four. Massa for three. And Hakkinen just for two. Well done. Oh, I should also say so good to not be wrong. should also say Hakkinen's raced for two. As of 2022, um, of course, there'll be more around yeah. the corner when he comes back from his sabbatical, but at least for now. At 53. Yeah, at 53 <laughs> years old. <laughs> as we all now know. All right. So it's minus one to Sam. It's zero to Harry. The scores are off the charts, folks. Number four or number five, how would you like to round off your selection, Harry? I'll go for number four, please. Number four. Uh, I'm going to give you four teams. <clears throat> Uh, I just want you to tell me, from most to least, how many races they've entered as a team. Okay. So you've got Renault, Force India, Minardi, and Toyota. This isn't a fun question, no. folks. No, this is rubbish. Because Renault been here now <laughs> all the time. Um, I'll go for. Hang on, what were they? Renault, Toyota, Minardi, Force and India. Oh, Force India. Force India. They were what? Oh seven? No, oh eight? Two? Seventeen? Ooh. Um. I'll go for the most as. Renault. Yeah. Then Minardi. Yeah. Then. Then Toy. God damn. Force India 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, damn, that's quite a lot of years. <laughs> Toyota 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09. See, this is why I did this in my head because I wasn't giving anything away. No. Um, I'll go for the next one will be Boss India and then it'll be Toyota last. All right, so Renault, Minardi, <coughs> Force India, yes. and Toyota in that order. Correct, Amundo. Oh, yes. oh, damn. <laughs> He's done it. Thank you, John. Renault at 400, well Minardi at 340, Force India 212, Toyota 139. Well done. Well done. Got a point. So, um, oh, now I'm two behind again. It does mean that you can't win now, Sam, because this is the last one and you're two points away. But bit of pride maybe it has answered the question we already knew at the start of the competition so that's fine all right i've got four circuits here 
uh, and I want you to tell me from oldest to newest when they made their debut as an F1 track. Okay. Hockenheim. Hungara Ring. I'll write them down. Zandvoort. And the circuit to Catalonia. Oh, God. Hocken. Hungara. The Ben Hockenheim. The Ben Hockenheim. Oh! Um, Catalonia Zandvoort. Yes. Okay. Um, and when they made their de- debut, and I assume this means in any alteration of the layout. Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go. Oldest Hockenheim, then Hagara Ring. Then Catalonia, then Zambor. That's the newest. It's incorrect. Harry, would oh, you like to try and steal this is. one? Say your order again, Sam. Hockenheim, Zangvoort. Hungar Ring. Catalonia, Zangvoort. Okay, I'll go Hockenheim, Zangvoort, Hungar Ring, Catalonia. Uh, you were closer, but not correct. So, Harry, <laughs> you've lost your one point, and you're going to add a zero. But, <laughs> but you still win by zero to minus one. So, congratulations. Yes! Um, it was basically Sam's order, but Zanvoort at the front rather than the back. So, it was uh, Zanvoort first in 1952. Uh, then came along Hockenheim, 1970. Hungara Ring was 1986, and then Catalonia was last, uh, 1991. Well, I know was, was older. I had a sneaky suspicion that Benning chucked it in as a bit of a trick, and I, I fell for it. Yeah, the old Hope Dutch Grand Prix. Goes back quite a way. Oh, well. Well done, Harry. Did you do any better, listeners? Probably. Hey, yeah, Probably. very interesting. Harry won on no points, so... Solid. Yeah. So, in terms of the 2022 quiz leaderboard, Harry is 1-0 up. <laughs> for the, well for the only time this year. Yeah. How, how does it feel to be right, Harry? I feel a bit sick, actually. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> considering you got zero points, I'm not quite sure how I can say you were right. But <laughs> you, you, you were better than minus one, so there's that. Right by default, I, I got zero. Sam, if you wouldn't mind, uh, sing us out, please. Whether it's a can of Coca-Cola or a lump of cheese, or we're ordering drivers by the size of their knees, this game is full of facts, just you wait and see. This is Formula One. Oh, dear, oh, dear, please. And that's going to do it for the first episode of 2022. As I'm sure you've been able to gather, uh, we are still as moronic as we were in 2021. We don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So be with us again next week. Why not? Sam, if you wouldn't mind, getting us out of here. We've got plenty going on in the Discord right now. Yeah, I was going to say, proving if you want to come and prove that we, you know more than us about Formula 1, which is quite evident, considering that we scored minus 1 and 0 on a game, uh, come on, let us know your thoughts on the Aston Martin appointment that has got to happen. Of course, Alexander Albon makes his return this season. What do you think about all of that going on? 
Um, big things happening, of course, this season. New regulations. We've got so much to talk about. Join us in the Discord. Join us on Twitter at Breaking. We're, we're going to do a little bit of a revamp of Instagram as well. So if you want to head over to like, Breaking on Instagram as well, it'd be nice to see you over there. Uh, we're quite new and rubbish for all of that stuff. But hey, we're trying it just like we try this podcast, Malarkey. Um, thank you for turning up for a good start to the new year. Share it with your nan or someone else who likes Formula One. It's always nice to share the love. Um, and in the meantime, I've been Sam Wilson. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been snatched from the jaws of rubbishness. And remember, <laughs> keep breaking late. Would you like a can of Coca-Cola or a lump of cheese, though? <laughs>